Jinny said. And Cor beamed, no doubt thinking Jinny was tearing up over the tender gift. You're as welcome as rain, Cor answered, thumping the TV guide with a knotted finger. I knew you'd be expecting it. Jinny smiled, a real one this time, and watched her friends fondly as they chatted on around her. The years had scattered them from the small town of their beginnings, and these birthday outings were their chance to catch up. Marie was telling Laura about her great-grandson. He'd gotten into some big school, and she was about to burst her buttons with pride. Cora, not to be outdone, interjected that her great-granddaughter had made the fourth-grade honor roll for the third semester in a row. Ginny turned her eyes back toward the door. That piece of glass they'd put in since last year, three-quarters of a wall of frosted flower etching, was cramping her style. All she could see were legs and tops of heads. Here came a bunch of them, a whole knot of women's sandals, men's big feet, and a couple of children's chubby legs. She watched hopefully. Maybe he'd hooked up with the lady at the empty chair, and they'd come back this year with the whole family to celebrate. The legs and heads came around the corner. Jenny scanned them quickly. None were familiar. They filed in, a huge clump, and sat at the big round table in the middle. The corner was still empty. The waitress came around with refills. More decaf? she asked, holding the orange-rimmed pot in her hand. Oh, I'd better not, Cora said. I won't sleep a wink. Jenny exchanged a glance with Marie, but neither one of them said a thing. That was Cora, dingy as a bat. Marie checked her watch, and Ginny felt a pinch of anxiety. Crossing paths with the dark-haired man was getting harder and harder the older she got. She fretted again but comforted herself with the fact that he had never missed showing up. Every year he came in at 7.15, took the chair facing the doorway at the corner table, sipped an iced tea, and waited. The first year had been awful to see. That was the year his plight had captured Ginny's heart. That was the year he'd brought the little box and the roses. Deep crimson roses. A full dozen long-stemmed. He'd set them on the table by the empty chair and sat there. The ice melting in his tea. His heart and eyes raw and wounded. Oh, she'd like to have died for him watching the minutes tick by. After twenty or so, he'd taken out the little box, flipped it open, looked at it, then closed it back up again and put it in his pocket. Oh, how her heart had ached. And his face. It showed everything, that face. Hope in his eyes, guilt and despair in the lines from nose to mouth, a hint of anger in the set of his jaw and mouth. That's when she had begun to pray for him, the dark-haired man. Oh, Lord, she had whispered, you know everything. Nothing is hidden from you. Whatever the situation, whatever the hurt, you can heal it. Do it, Father. Have mercy on this man. 
He had looked up abruptly as she'd whispered that prayer. Almost as if he'd heard her, though that could not have been possible. Their eyes had met for just a moment. Ginny had given him a slight nod. He'd nodded back, forced a smile, then looked back toward the door. For years he'd been coming, and waiting, although not in the outright anguish of the first time. Last year he had seemed more pessimistic, less hopeful. She wondered how much longer he would come, how much longer he would hope. She felt an urgency now, and it burst from her in prayer. Lord, all things serve you, she murmured under her breath. You hold everything together, and everything follows the counsel of your will. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, as the rivers of water he turneth it whithersoever he will. Turn these two toward each other, Lord. Bring them back together. I don't need to know about it. But do your healing, Lord. Fix these broken hearts. Susan cleared her throat. The waitress was at their table, smiling indulgently at the senile old lady mumbling to herself. Will you have some dessert? she asked pleasantly. And Ginny saw a way to buy herself another twenty minutes. Why? I haven't had my birthday cake, she said as brightly as she could. The others couldn't deny her that. They readjusted themselves in their chairs, resigned. Ginny checked her own watch. You would be here any minute now. Every year at 7.15. Another five minutes and he'd be rolling in. Anybody else have some dessert? she asked brightly. They shook their heads. I couldn't eat another bite, Susan protested. Ginny ignored the not-so-subtle hint, and to pacify them she started gathering up her presents. She fixed her eyes on the doorway, and ignoring everything around her, she continued to talk to the Lord, inside her heart this time. At her age you had to watch it. She continued to pray and keep watch. And just as the waitress was rounding the corner with the tiny little cake and the silly birthday hat and calling all the other waiters and waitresses to her table to sing, in he came, and she almost sang herself with relief. He was a very big man, tall, around six foot two or three, she'd guess, and strapping. He was handsome, too, and Ginny clicked her tongue and gave her head a small shake at this. Handsome men could be problematic, used to getting their own way and such. Though Ginny's young man was certainly not hard on the eyes, she liked to think there was more to him than that. His hair was dark, his features bold, but there was something else about him that spoke of character to her, though she couldn't quite put her finger on what it was. It was just that he spilled out trustworthiness and competence, and although she couldn't say why, Ginny knew, if it ever came to such an eventuality, her life would be safe in his hands. He had a calm, steady face. Good, clean, honest lines to it. He looked at home in a suit, but at the same time Ginny could picture him in work trousers, bailing hay. She shook her head after considering that. 
He was used to hard work and sacrifice, that she could tell from his face, but there were clues that pointed to his being a professional man. For instance, although his navy blue jacket spanned wide shoulders, Jenny knew without looking that his shirt would be white and stiff with starch, and she would bet those competent hands had no calluses on them. He sat down now with an easy grace, shook his head at the menu being offered, never taking his eyes from the door. The waiters and waitresses were gathering around her table to sing Happy Birthday. He looked over and caught her eye. He flashed her a quick smile, but then her heart lurched as his face settled back into its resting position, for there was something different about it this year. The angry sadness and hopelessness had been incorporated into it, had become part of its landscape. He would give up soon if he hadn't already. She knew that, with a certainty that made her want to drop to her knees right there on the restaurant carpet. Because she also knew with a certainty she couldn't explain that he mustn't. Oh, Lord Jesus, she began, but was immediately interrupted by that silly birthday song. She shook her head with impatience as someone put the straw hat with the pink daisies on her head, and they began to sing. She endured it, smiling gracefully as the restaurant full of people cast indulgent glances at the cute old ladies still celebrating their birthdays. As soon as she could, she tore off the hat, and mercifully, the singers all went away. She took a bite of the cake, and her friends all had a tiny slice, even Susan. The waitress refilled coffee cups.